Howdy, and welcome back to another episode of the We Were Wrong podcast. Uh, this last week was incredibly rough for me in particular. Both Ryan and Walker had positive records at the end of the week, but I uh, I suffered a pretty hefty defeat that we'll get into in a second. But this is the Texas Private School podcast. As always, I am one third of your hosting crew. I, West Hollison, join you from College Station, where Walker Law also joins you from. Walker, how to? What'd you think of the last very tumultuous week of private school football? I mean, I think people finally were going into the district. You see how people are playing and like seeing how good teams actually are now. You know, you don't have the non out of district. You know, kind of smaller, bigger teams playing smaller teams and like out of you know UIL teams. You're seeing people who really are like how they are, and it's it's exciting to see. No, without a doubt. Ryan Schroeder joins us from Stillwater, Oklahoma. Uh, Ryan, same question to you. Last week of private school football, a uh, lot of lot of shakeup happening. What do you think? Yeah, no, a lot of shakeup happening, and I'm glad I actually got to go see a game. Uh, really, really cool weekend for all of us to be able to go to a game. I mean, that really hasn't happened for our podcast yet um, since high school, where all of us have been at a high school, private high school football game on a Friday night. So. Um, ton of ton of fun. Glad we uh, got to go out there and you know basically um, hang out with the teams and and then really cover the games and show that we're you know we're there. We're there to cover y'all's games and we're there to actually learn more about how y'all play. Oh, it was incredible. I mean, shout out to all the schools we went to. I know we all got a lot of love from all the fans in person and on social media. Y'all got us like 100 followers in like just a week of doing that. So we're all greatly appreciative of it. I think it's starting to like people are starting to understand that we're one of the premier, not one of the we are the premier private school football coverage like in Texas. And that's a fact. And I'm, we're all incredibly grateful for that. I mean, we don't do what we do without y'all. So yet again, thank you from all of us, but transitioning to our first segment, as always, we will recap last week's pick record, something I'm not very fond of doing. Walker actually won the week going 10 and five still tied for, I guess now you're tied for second with me. Good Lord. You were 69 and 29 overall. Uh, Walker, your, your very quick thoughts on last week going 10 and five, you know, in the words of, uh, Aggie legend, uh, Johnny Manziel, who was in town for the amazing sensational win over Alabama this past weekend, uh, Giga Maggie's anyways, uh, in the words of Johnny Manziel, comeback season is what it is. This is what we do. Uh, I'm coming for you, Ryan. I mean, keep going. I just keep I got this, baby. I got this. Don't even worry about it. For the sake of just keeping this authentic, right? I'm going to let you respond to that immediately. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I don't know what this is about. I mean, I'm literally still in first. I, I went nine and six. Best for, I mean, this is literally my worst week by far. You'll never see me do this again. And I can promise you that. Uh, 74 and 24, I'm still number one. I still have less than 30 losses. I still have 50 more wins than I have losses. So, if that tells you anything, you know, just know that I'm still number one. I'm still going to keep the number one spot. And, and yeah, Giga Maggie's, I guess. I mean, that was, that was a good weekend. I, I remember I posted on my story and, and both, both Wes and Walker were like, oh my goodness, did that really just happen? And I, I just, I don't know. Not that we're an AM podcast, but, you know, go post. So I, don't, I don't know. So we're two thirds of an AM podcast. Yeah, I, guess. I can't not, I can't not like, 
go this whole podcast without mentioning it. That was one of the most insane sporting events I've ever attended. I my voice is still trying to come back from that. It was it was ridiculous. But again, this isn't an AM podcast, this is a private school football podcast. I went seven and eight on the week, the worst out of the group. Um I don't have much to say. It was a horrendous outing, and um, we'll actually get into why that was. One of the worst picks of the week I made was TWCA to beat Fort Bend, and I'll detail that because I covered that live, and I was proven wrong by the whole team. But transitioning actually to Fort Bend Christian Academy, we go into our Texas Private School Podcast Offensive Player of the Week, junior quarterback Brady Dever. This is one of the craziest performances I've ever seen live, and I'm not – I'm not BSing you. I'm being straight up. This man threw 24 for 33, 512 passing yards, eight touchdowns, and a win against – a statement win against the Woodlands Christian Academy. I mean, two-thirds of the podcast picked against them. Shout out Walker for taking their team. But, I mean, they came out and basically curb-stomped the Woodlands. I mean, they were on a mission the entire game. And Brady Dever was on a mission to prove that he is – at least the number two quarterback in his class. I think he's trying to tell everyone that he's number one. I mean, I knew who the kid was going to the game, or at least I had an idea of him. But, I mean, after that game ended, I know without a doubt, Brady Dever, I'll keep an eye on the rest of the season. It's super nice and humble kid, too. I talked to him for a while after the game. Very appreciative of what we do for their team and private school as a whole. But I just talked a lot. Walker, Brady Dever, 512 yards, eight touchdowns. Your thoughts on this massive performance? I mean, I, I know last year before the season even started, you know, at the end of last year's season, I told everyone, I was like, hey, there's this kid down in Fort Bend that he's going to make a lot, a lot of noise. And he did over the summer. He went to all the camps. He did the seven on seven circuit and just kind of just balled out um, and while playing baseball in the summers, too. So, like, doing both is very, very impressive. But, you know, I saw him at the seven on seven tournament. He just he's a natural passer, man. He's he, he can throw the ball. And I think that's why you see why, like, they have talented receivers without a doubt, but you need a guy to throw those, like, throw the ball, basically, and get it to their, his athletes. And he does that, one of the best in Houston. I honestly do think in that 23 class, as he is ranked by the private school football guy as the number two passer in the state of Texas, I honestly think just in not just private school, but also in the state, I think he can be pretty dang good. And he can be one of those top guys in the uh, city of Houston, greater area of Houston, and honestly, the state in 23. So, No, for sure. I mean, the kid's for real, and he's proving it as each game goes on. Ryan, Brady Dever, crazy performance against the Woodlands Christian Academy. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the kid is an absolute stud. Um, played super well. Eight touchdowns, 512 yards. You won't see that from basically anybody else in private school. Uh, nor will you see that really anywhere. Um, but I want to make it very clear. Um, Woodlands is a good basketball team. So, you know, I kind of just went with my gut. If, you know, if they're good at one sport, they're good at another. So I apologize for Ben. I guess I didn't know enough about y'all. And Brady Dever, I mean, oh, my goodness, bro. What a heck of performance. I definitely am not going to go against Fort Ben anymore. That was such an amazing performance by them against the Woodlands. No, it definitely was. And that, like – this game proves that stats are very different from the eye test. I mean, the Woodlands was five and zero coming into the game. Fort Bend was like two and three, but there's a huge discrepancy there. But we'll talk about more, that more once we get into that game. But now, looking at our Texas Private School Podcast Defensive Player of the Week, 
we have junior linebacker from Parrish, Cooper Mayland, who had 17 tackles and four tackles for loss and a win against Preston Wood, a huge win for Parrish as a team to kind of slot themselves as the number one team in division one. We had Preston Wood at number one, but Cooper Mayland's effort and the whole team's effort really really did a huge number in dislodging them at that number one ranking and slotting Parrish there. So, Walker, I'll turn to you first. Uh, junior linebacker Cooper Mayland, 17 tackles, four TFLs, huge performance. Your thoughts and a huge win against Preston Wood. Yeah, when I went and saw Parrish uh, play Bel Air Episcopal to start the season, I he was one of those guys at the linebacker position that kind of stood out. And I was like, all right, they have a lot of young guys on this team that can make some noise. And, you know, I was kind of just waiting for see just see some of these guys step up to the plate and kind of have that great, just great game, you know. And this week it's him. Great game by him. You know, his dominant performance uh, and especially gets Prestable. I mean, that's that was our number one team in the state. That's a tough team to play against no matter who says what. And he showed up, he showed out. And that's what you want in a linebacker. No, without a doubt. Ryan, Cooper Mainland, huge game against Preston Wood, your opinion. Yeah, and, and we'll go into it later when we talk about the actual um, game, or actually probably in a second when we talk about the game. But, you know, honestly, um, that's an insane performance. Preston was a great team, um, and we'll talk about who was there and who was not there for Preston Wood's offense. But still, 17 tackles, four tackles for loss. You won't see that out of a lot of other guys, just like you won't see what Brady Dever did. I mean, these guys showed out this week, and – I mean, 17 tackles? He was all over the freaking field. I mean, how, there's no other way to describe that. No, it was just an insane performance by Cooper Mainland. So congratulations, Cooper Mainland. Congratulations, Brady Dever. It's our Texas Private School Podcast Players of the Week. Both these guys balled out for their respective teams and keep an eye on them as we move deeper into district play. Now we are going to look at last week's matchups. We had five games of the week. We'll also talk about Ryan's game. And we're starting with Parrish at Prestonwood, the biggest matchup of the year so far. Um, again, this was our number one versus number two, and there's going to be a new number one, or there is already when we sent out the rankings. I mean, Parrish solidified themselves in this game. Andrew Paul goes absolutely ballistic here, scoring all five Parrish touchdowns, along with 172 rushing yards, averaging over eight per attempt in a 35 to 10 win for the Panthers over Preston Wood. Uh, Preston Wood actually jumped out to a three nothing lead early and then Parrish responded to make it only seven to three going into the half. So this this wasn't nearly as wide of a margin as it looks like going into halftime. I mean, these teams really, really were battling it out in the first half. It was just in the second half, Parrish blew the game open, outscoring Prestonwood 28-3. to I mean, the Parrish defense did a tremendous job here with Noah Billings and Daniel Demery both grabbing picks. Prestonwood quarterback Jack McGraw goes for 206 yards passing in just his second start. And wideout Derek Espuillo goes for 100 yards receiving. So that's kind of the name of the game by the stats standpoint. Walker, I'll look at you first. I mean, this was a gigantic game in terms of, you know, who's battling for supremacy and that kind of district of doom that they're both in. So what do you think about this game and the implications of it moving further into the season? Um. I, I like I'm talking like I just said a second ago when I went and watched Paris versus a Bel Air the start of the season. Um, Andrew Paul was just like he's just bigger than everyone else. He's he like 
you're talking like he's just he can run over people. He's gonna go down forwards. You're gonna need one or two guys to tackle him. He's that type of player. He's just bigger, stronger, faster than everyone else. And he just runs the ball really, really well. Um, and that's what you saw them do. Like, I, I think I said earlier uh, in a couple episodes ago when I talked about that game, when you're running behind the O-line uh, of Aiden Gilmore and the rest of those guys, I mean, that's you have that's room for trouble for any team. And, you know, they always have a great quarterback there. You know, Sawyer, Sawyer Anderson is taking over there now. but And they love their passing attack. But, I mean, the reason they've won games throughout the years is having a good running back. You know, Cedric Benson last year, um, and the years before that, um, they just always have that good back. And Andrew Paul is just the next man up, just taking that load. And he's different from Cedric in that Cedric was more of a receiving threat as well. And he can, you know, do a lot of different things. He's a power back, baby. He'll run you over and just get those yards. And, I mean, that's that's why you saw him dominate today. And with, that, with him, I mean, they can make damage for how long they want to go into the playoffs. So... Yeah, for sure. Andrew Paul is going to be a huge weapon for Parrish moving forward. I'll turn to our resident Atlanta Braves fan, Ryan Schroeder. Your your thoughts on this game, Parrish at Prestonwood. And I, I'm going to go out by saying this because I am definitely the front runner for Prestonwood in this in this whole establishment because I, I definitely do think Prestonwood is a great team. And I want to, I want to make that very clear on why this game was the reason why it was. And this game would have been a lot closer if it wasn't because of this. Everybody knows the name McGuire Martin. McGuire Martin did not play in this game. McGuire Martin is the Prestonwood quarterback who this year has been putting up. Um, he's already put up 1,062 passing yards and 15 touchdowns in four games. So he's a great quarterback. He's done a lot for this offense. And although there's, there's like backup quarterback has played in all five games so far, he has to come in because McGuire Martin has just beat the crap out of the rest of the teams in order for him to come in. Also, they didn't have their starting running back. His name is TD Murray. TD Murray has also been a big part of this team. He basically um, had 268 yards in the year so far. He has had four touchdowns. Um, and, and also on top of that, McGuire Martin is also a big part of their running game. He has 132 running yards, rushing yards himself with the touchdown on the ground. So it's really hard for you to have this, this, what's called this other quarterback, you know, no, Jack McGraw come in and basically run the offense while he's still a junior McGuire Martin, still a junior TD Murray is also a junior. Um, and, and then basically you're leaving it up to their star wide receiver, whose name is Nate Stafford, who still is doing very well. He's got 11 touchdowns, 483 receiving yards, still a great player, but he can't run the entire offense from the wide receiver position. It's just not logical. Um, and they ended up having to play the running back position with a sophomore and shout out to Kayla Bowers, who basically had to take over the game and try to put up like, you know, basically the front man for this game, even though he's just only a sophomore. So, you know, they're playing Parish Episcopal. They didn't have two of their best offensive powers. It, does, it, it makes a lot of sense to me why this game was the way that it was. And there's not a lot you can do as a defense when you can't see that your offense is not putting up a lot of points. So, um, you know, big, big shout out to um, Parrish. They really proved themselves, but don't count this Prestonwood team out. It's a very hard loss and uh, uh, to take when you don't have the key assets of your team. And big shout out to Troop O'Neill, who's a uh, friend that's a kicker on the team. He, he, I mean, he's he's one of their big players as well when it comes to special teams. I mean, he provides basically a lot of their points at this point when, you know, when they can't, you know, score a lot when it comes to uh, uh, 
their offense in games like this. So great game by Prestonwood, but better game, obviously, by Parrish. Parrish is definitely a dominant power and deserves the number one spot. Yeah, no, that context goes a very long way in explaining deeper than the stats why this game was the way it was. I mean, again, don't don't be surprised if these two teams see each other later in the season. I mean, it'll be a much different game than it was uh, this last week for both teams. And I think it'll be incredibly interesting to see how that develops. Moving into our next game, we see Argyle Liberty Christian played at Midland Christian. And senior quarterback Reva Rodriguez led the Mustangs to a 48 to 20 win over Liberty Christian. Uh, Rodriguez did most of the damage with his legs, rushing for 151 yards on 19 carries and four touchdowns. He also threw a couple touchdowns and accounting for six of the seven total Mustang TDs. Junior wide receiver Sean Madison had a monster game from Midland receiving, amassing 180 yards and only six receptions and scoring all three of Midland's touchdowns through the air. Dawson Bullard and Brody Dixon led the Mustangs on the defensive end, each clocking in 11 solo tackles. So, Walker, I mean, this was kind of what we expected in this game. Midland very much seemed to be the better team. Uh, Argyle Liberty is has struggled early in the season, and they're not really in a district where you can afford to struggle for very long. So your thoughts on this 48-20 to 20 win for the Mustangs? Yeah, the thing about Argyle, like, it's not like they don't really have bad coaching. They don't have bad players. They're just – I don't know. It's, it's always a weird thing because – Argyle was a good team back in the day, but now they're just kind of not there because they have the athletes, but I think they just compared the others. They just kind of don't, you know? So it's really, it's really hard to really explain the issue there. And hopefully Jason Wynn can turn that program around, which I honestly think he can. Um, but yeah, Midland's Midland, man. Um, they're a good team. They've always had the weapons. They had the weapons this time and you saw the dominant performance this past week and like always you know it's hard to go out and play in midland man it's very very difficult and they showed why and yeah i mean very proud of those midland guys uh yeah no really solid effort by the mustangs ryan 48 to 20 win for midland over liberty christian your thoughts on the game Really not a lot that I have to say. I mean, you talk about every time about having to travel out to Midland and do that whole trek out there. But, I mean, River Rodriguez honestly might just be the Lamar Jackson of private school football with the way that he does it. He can do it through the air. He can do it on the ground. He really proves that he is that versatile of a quarterback. So, um, honestly, uh, big shout-out to Argyle Liberty. They didn't take low to this season. They just packed their schedule. Obviously, this is district now, but they packed their non-conference schedule they're now in district now, and, and, and it really just proves that, you know, they are the type of guys that, that just wanted to make sure to put this season as hard as possible. They really, you know, are, are playing teams that obviously are very elite, and I definitely think that Justin, Jason Witten could turn them around after just a couple of years of this. Yeah, no, I mean, the boys from Argyle aren't going to back down from a challenge. That is certainly a fact at this point. And, again, I think in the next couple of years – you'll see Liberty slowly start to turn things around, especially with a guy like Jason Witten at the helm. How many schools can say that's your coach? But we'll see. I mean, only time will tell with them. Now we look at a game that Walker himself actually got to go cover in Grapevine Faith at Southwest Christian. That ended up being a 34-16 to win for Walker's Eagles and another incorrect pick for me. So, Walker, uh, detail us what happened in this game and why it ended the way it did. This game for the battle for basically the top team in uh, Division Two, District One, 
was just a really, really fun game to go to. Um, credit to my Eagles. They, they had a really good game plan going into it. And they that what they didn't have in the past is what they have now. It's just like toughness, this gritty, just uh, – just gritty team that they want to put, just put people in the dirt on that wing in that wing T offense and run the ball down your throw until you can't know, like you don't want it no more. And then you'll, they'll still keep doing it. And that's how they play. And you saw them, the grave on faith, that defense just slowly get tired and tired and mentally just beaten. And it just took a toll on them. And that's why the score was where it is. But I want to give credit to uh, uh, Chase Cross, that quarterback, you know, I think private school football guy had him ranked at like six in the class of 2023. I, I I saw him and he he made some throws that were just sensational. I mean, kid can throw the ball and wherever he wanted it, his out routes were crisp. Um, I remember that when they got those three points at the end of the half, I mean, it, it was a game managed just two minute, one minute drill by Chase Cross deep ball, deep ball to get him into field goal range, run the ball one time or pass at the ball and then kick the field goal. And I think he had like 30 seconds on the clock to do that. I mean, that's, that's just how he is. He's a good quarterback. I'm, I was very, very impressed with him. And he did all of that. I mean, he had, what is it? 317 yards passing. And he did that without Josh Turrell. He's out with an ACL injury. So they're, they're star wide receiver who got, uh, Kentucky offered this uh, a couple weeks ago. He's out with injury, out for the season, I believe. And then their other, uh, I was talking to the guys, the number two wide receiver for them also was out. So he still put up that much passing and just didn't have his weapons really there. So that's going to hurt them down the road. But with Chase Cross at the helm, I'm very, I, I, I believe in these, this team. I really, really do. Um, on the other side, you know, Antoine Polk, you know, I heard about this kid going into the season, um, going to make a mark on the season, and he kind of started off sluggish the past couple games and then just hit the head on this one, man. Uh, 147 yards rushing, 26 attempts, and two TDs. Just, he like like we said with Andrew Paul earlier, he's just bigger than everyone else. Like, 6'1", 250, or six, like, yeah, six foot 215 as a back and just plows over people, man. Especially, like, in private school, you don't have guys that big running the ball and you just see him dominating. Um, it was very, very impressive. And I want to give credit to that offensive line uh, led by court Comer. Uh, he wanted that shout out. I mean, here's your shout out. Uh, here's your photo, all that jazz. Congratulations. Uh, and that rest of the offensive line, John Talpit, who I think is going to be a division one offensive lineman. You also had Hunter Sage, who I love Hunter Sage, man. You see growing seeing him grow up from freshman to senior year and just being a dominant player. I wanted to give a shout out to him as well. He's playing both sides. He's playing linebacker and center. So he's being that kind of that having to be that intelligent guy on both sides of the ball, leading that O-line and then also leading that defense. So shout out to him. Uh, that whole defensive line caused chaos for Chase, though, on the, the entire night. Milton Granger, Drew Verduris, and they have another guy in the middle. I forgot his name. But I, uh, he's young. He's a sophomore. And he's like 6'2", 6'3", probably 270. And he's a big boy. Like, And they also have Maddox McCarroll on the outside, who I really, really liked. He was, I believe, like he's going to be a sophomore as well. Um, and both Tanner Zyman and Antoine Polk are both juniors. They have them for another year. That's insane. 
like this team is young already and they can only get like better. Like when you're already running the ball on a dish, like good district opponent like this, yeah, that's scary, man. That's really, really scary. Uh, who else I wanted to give a shout out to? Uh, of course. Oh, kicker alert. Hayden Bryan, the 2023 for us, punted a ball 70 yards during the game, and it was just amazing. Kid can boot it. I think if any colleges is looking at this episode, they need to look at this kid as a kicker. Go watch him. Uh, watch his tape. He's a very good guy. And they also have Brian Sanders, the long snapper, as well. Um, overall, yes, Faith were hurt on the receiving end. But I think that running attack is just too much for this team. And we'll talk about it later. But like with Fourth Christian kind of getting a little bit healthier, that Faith versus Fourth Christian matchup is actually going to be somewhat interesting. And um, I, I still think the number one and number two teams in the North are South Christian, DC. Uh, I probably have DC a little bit ahead right now. But hey, this is a good team. I've been saying it. I like my Eagles. And they're also led by Rice Commit, Tyson Flowers, who Rice was in the building tonight, uh, for the game. Shout out to them. Um, Tyson, man, you you don't want to face him on defense. He just knows where to be. He's a dog out there, both sides of the ball. He's a nightmare to play against. And I said it in my tweet, and I'll say it again. He's probably one of the best athletes in all of private school, no matter where it is. And I think that him and the rest of those guys are going to lead that team to a very successful year and shock a lot of people. So – a uh, good team, good matchup, great matchup, honestly. Good, fun game to go to. Uh, yeah, go Eagles, man. Yeah, no, I knew that we all thought that Southwest Christian was going to be very good coming into the year. The question just is, what is their potential for the rest of the season? And a pretty crowded uh, top of the ladder in Division Two. But, I mean, Ryan, you also went and covered a game Friday night. That was Fort Worth Christian at your alma mater, Legacy. Tell us a little bit about how that went and how that game developed as it went on. So, honestly, at first, I didn't think it was going to get that far out of hand. And I honestly thought that this game in general was going to be like, you know, it was going to be an 0-5 Fort Worth Christian team versus a team that was 1-4 in Legacy with a fantastic win against Grace Community. Um, and – you know, I was very excited to, to see Legacy Christian play. And I knew that, you know, they already lost one of their best players, Trace Harris. And, and they uh, they were coming out there just trying to do whatever they could. But um, I want to give a shout out to the three guys on this team that really proved to me that they are the the true, like, offense of this team. Um, and those are uh, Luke Embry, Jonah Lester, and uh, Cole Faulkner. Cole Faulkner being the running back, Jonah Lester being the quarterback, and Luke Embry being the star wide receiver. Um, it really just proved to me that these guys are the ones that are running this team. And the team is really not that big this year, to be honest. I literally went to the huddle after the game and I was like, is this really all there is? Like, there's only like 20, 20, 21 guys, 22 guys. It's like, it's, it is not a lot of guys on this team. And I, I don't really know what's all about that, but you know, Wait, they, uh, yeah. What are you saying? I wanted to ask about why, why do you think they switched back to the spread offense instead of the triple option they used to run? Like, how has that affected that team? I think what you'll see is we just feel like we have to throw the ball nowadays versus what we're running the ball because we don't have the as good of running backs as we used to have. Like, like we used to have this running back named AJ Asili who was insanely good and ended up actually going to transferring to Frisco High School instead. Um, and and he actually would have been the starter this year as a senior. Um, obviously, would have been the starter as a starter sophomore year, but you know they lost that and now they kind of just have to play, um, you know, try to get ball to the wide receivers and the wide receivers are, 
only as good as they can be. I mean, the real big thing that I wanted to mention is we're just short this year. Like, honestly, short players and then also, like, short number of the players and then also short players. There's only two guys on the team that are above six feet tall. I Holy mean, cow. Ooh, that's, like, not a, that's not a good recipe. Yeah, no, it's, it's just the team is just not very tall in general. And so that plays a big factor in stuff like this, right? Well, you have guys that just decided not to play football this year. One of those being one of my good friends. His name is uh, Matt Brenneman, like decided not to play football this year. He's a six, four, uh, like huge two, two, 10, two twenty guy. It was like, nah, I don't want to play this year. And it's like, it's like, Oh my goodness. But um, when it comes to Fort Christian need to make it very clear. This team is not a bad team at all. Um, honestly, it just proved to me that sometimes you could just play a bunch of hard teams. Sometimes you can just be a little bit unhealthy. Sometimes you really just have guys that aren't playing that are really key factors to your team. And let me give a good shout out. Trevor Andrews, quarterback of this team. Absolutely amazing. Um, and then the four wide receivers that really make up this team, Gus Sanchez, Jacob Trimble, Jordan Green, and Grady, uh, Grady Gann, all guys that just absolutely put up numbers for this team. If I go back to what I, what I tweeted out, I mean, honestly, Jacob Trimble is the main guy that you normally think about for this team, but the man of the night actually was ended up being uh, Jordan green who had four catches for 105 yards and three touchdowns. So three of his four catches were touchdowns. Um, first play of the game. Ironically enough, it was a, it was a uh, backwards pass over to the side, like a, like a screen pass backwards pass. And then uh, the uh, what's it called? I'm pretty sure um, quarterback uh, Trevor Andrews went out for a pass, and <laughs> and Trevor Andrews caught the ball with no one around him, basically 20 yards down the field, and he took it almost all the way for a receiving touchdown on the first play of the game. I was like, that's insane. But um, and big shout out to obviously the running back Luke Anderson, who was the main player of the night. He had uh, seven rushes for 178 yards and four touchdowns. The kid was an absolute dog, um, and Luke Anderson is no no joke. But big shout out to those guys. Forward Christian's a really good team. Shout out to the coaches who also were super cool with me. I know I was wearing my green legacy shirt as I walked over to their sideline for half the game. Uh, I'm glad they took me in as a as a Fort Worth Christian uh, Cardinal for the night as I was wearing my opposite colors. But um, Great team, and I actually am excited to see how Forward Christian does in our district just because I know Southwest Christian's a dog now that we know that they beat Great Fun Faith, and, 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 and Great Fun Faith is beatable at this point, so we know Great Fun Faith is going to be good. Forward Christian is not terrible, so I would keep an eye on them, and then there's Legacy, but you know, we'll, we'll forget about Legacy. No, I think this is a warning flare for sure shot up by what we thought was a dying Fort Worth Christian, that they are not a bad team at all. I mean, I think now they're starting to get healthy. Things are starting to come together, and they are not going to be the same team that we thought they were week three, week four. So we're definitely going to be looking at Fort Worth Christian really, really closely as the weeks go on. I think they're going to be a lot better than we thought they were. Transitioning into our second to last game, that was Kincaid at ESD. Yet another game that I was incorrect on. This was a battle between the number one and number two SPC schools in our rankings. Um, <clears throat> we saw this end up in a 31 to 19 win for ESD, where junior quarterback Patrick Burke led them with 168 yards on the ground, averaging 12 yards per carry and a touchdown. He also had 168 yards through the air and a couple of passing touchdowns. Uh, Chase Kennedy and Teddy Sparrow also caught touchdowns from Burke. So, I mean, 
it was a pretty balanced attack from ESD to get this win and to prove was it all three of us wrong? Do we all have Kincaid yeah, in this game? Yeah, I mean, straight up, we hadn't seen ESD play yet. We we're going off stats. We'll go and watch them at some point because we have to if they're the, that good. But this is, I think, a statement win for them saying we own SPC as of now. And for now, they do until Kincaid or someone else knocks them off. But, Walker, I'll look at you first. This was a gigantic win, at least as a statement, for Episcopal School of Dallas. Your thoughts on the game itself and the overall ramifications of this? Yeah, I mean, it, like, 7-0. and I mean, I think that just shows it. I mean, they're dominant. And, you know, we all thought, hey, Kincaid's a really good team led by good athletes, and they kind of shocked us. Um, ESD's for real, point blank. Uh, period. I mean, that's just how they are. They're a good team. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see this matchup in the state championship, being real. I could see this matchup coming back again, and that will be very interesting to see after a couple more games under their belt um, and see that matchup again. Congrats to ESD, man. Good team. Ryan, gigantic win for ESD here, uh, submitting themselves as the number one team in SBC. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you can't knock out uh, – uh, what's it called? You can't knock out Dylan Bell, who plays for this Kincaid team. Kincaid definitely has a lot of dogs for them. But, you know, sometimes star power doesn't just overtake how you play as a team. If ESD really just shows that they are, you know, great players, because Dylan Bell didn't actually, you know, uh, didn't actually have a horrible game. He, he played really well, honestly. And it doesn't matter if ESD plays better as a team, they'll beat, they'll beat teams. And it's all about which teams can actually play together as a whole versus just having star power, which is what I just said two seconds ago. But honestly, it's true. ESD is a, a team that I feel like plays more as a team. And that's the reason why they're going to take it as the number one spot. Um, that's not to say that these teams are not both very, very good teams. Um, and I still do think, in my opinion, this may not be the opinion of Wes Walker, so don't take this, but even though they have two losses, I, I honestly think they're still better than Houston St. John's just because of the fact that they really do prove to me that they are a really tough team. But we do need to go see um, at least ESD play. If not, we can try to sneak in a, a Kincaid team, a Kincaid game as well. Yeah, funny enough, I've gotten we, – we all have – or not we all. Most of the state has ESD and Kincaid as a consensus number one and number two. I've gotten some information from a source that said that's really that shouldn't be the case in SBC. And I won't, I, I'll keep his uh, anonymity, but I don't think that's how you say that word. But, um, yeah, from anonymous, <laughs> something like that. There's something like that. I was close, but I'll get it a little bit more into my rationale on that when I detail another game coming up. But in terms of our last game, the game that I got to cover last Friday, a game that opened up my eyes to how good a certain team was. That team is Fort Bend Christian Academy, who played at the Woodlands Christian Academy last Friday night. And folks, I was dead wrong about Fort Bend. You know, I cover this game in person, as I mentioned, and my Lord, this team is much better than the record states. Top prospect in the 23 class, Brady Dever, posts one of the crazier stat lines of the year that we already mentioned as he was our player of the week. 515 through the air, eight touchdowns, and he has some absolute beasts at receiver that make this possible for him. Uh, number one, Mike, our, uh, Marcus Creighton goes six receptions, 153 yards, two touchdowns. 
Uh, number two, Domino goes six receptions, 148 yards, three touchdowns. Number 11, Gardoni goes seven receptions, 115 yards, two touchdowns. And number four, Dylan Dixon goes five receptions, 100 yards, and a touchdown. So the fact that he had four receivers go over 100 yards receiving and basically two of those go over 150, I mean, it's just you rarely see a single receiver in a game have a stat line like that, let alone four. I mean, and just, it just, I'm telling you, I saw it in person. All four of those guys are freak athletes. I mean, they all either are or should be receiving collegiate attention. They are all very, very good. I cannot stress that enough. And they were super, super nice when I talked to them after the game. They were all very, very like appreciative and grateful for what we do. And that was super nice to see. But in terms of defense, he was actually a candidate for the Texas private school football guy, uh, defensive player of the week. Blaine Baird, senior defensive back, had 10 tackles, two tackles for loss, and two picks. I think both of which I got on our Twitter. You can go back and look at. That kid's a really, really good athlete. I mentioned in my postgame write-up, he's got a high IQ and a higher motor. I mean, the kid is really, really good. That Fort Bend team is solid. I'll say it again. They are very, very good. A lot better than a 3-3 and record states. And I know they already lost. They had that loss to St. John's. They lost to D.C., who are two incredible teams in their own right. So it'll be incredibly interesting to see how they perform in that district and how playoffs goes for them. Walker, I'll look at you first. I mean, your thoughts on, you know, the the bigger development of this game and the game as a whole. I mean, I, I had faith in Fort Bend, just saying. That's a good point. I had Fort, I had faith in Fort Bend. I knew they had the athletes, man. And I think that – and I know they were out a couple of guys for that D.C. game – and you saw, hey, like, that we still are that team. Like, D.C. was just a better team and shut them down defensively, and that's kind of what they do to pretty much every team, though. But that's just how they are. But Fort Bend always has the guys, and I still think they're a pretty good team. Um, we'll get into rankings later, but, like, Fort Bend kind of, like, what, I want to say this. The Woodlands Christian Academy has athletes, and, you know, you kind of mentioned it, but, like, there, it's not like they're a bad team. Fort Bend is just a really better program at the moment. And you see for the Woodlands will just came back from D3 a couple years ago, and you see them somewhat progressing through D2, and they'll get there. Don't don't get it twisted. They'll get back to, like, being a good team. They just got a little bit of ways to go. So uh, you mentioned it. You already talked about it enough, how good that offense was. The, Fort Bend will be a good team, and I think the last week of the season is Sam, Second Baptist versus Fort Bend. That'll be a good game to, and fun game to go watch. Yeah, no, for sure. And in terms of the Woodlands, I mean, running back Rourke Hawkins was incredible for them. He had a 70-yard electric touchdown run. And quarterback Josh Johnson is very good in his own right. He's he's an elusive runner. He's he's a good decision maker at quarterback. And they just they were simply overmatched in this game. But, Ryan, I mean, we, we've talked a lot about this game so far, but there anything else you have to offer for Fort Bend versus the Woodlands? We're about to get right into this in our rankings in a second. But in all reality, I, I think this team is right where they should be in our rankings. They're right there, right at the cusp of Grapevine Faith. They could be better than Grapevine Faith, but, you know, it, it's just – it really is just the fact that they had 
players out in that DC game and stuff like that. Cause I mean, this team is really, really good and their offense is star power central. So that's all I got to say about that. I think star power central is probably the best way I've heard Fort Ben's offense described. They are incredibly electric. And I know I've said that word like three times in the segment alone, but it, it, electricity is literally the definition of what this offense is. But that actually wraps up our games of the week from last week. Now we're going to get into talking about our new updated rankings after I fought off a horde of Nolan Catholic fans on Twitter over the last one. Uh, Just for the record, Nolan Catholic does move up in these rankings. That is not a result of me being pestered on Twitter. I don't cave to peer pressure. But, no, it was fun. I I enjoyed all of them. I enjoyed all of the Nolan guys, like, in our replies after they beat the breaks off of JP. Uh, There's a couple other things that happened that I didn't take kindly to, but that's a whole different story. But we will actually start with our Division I rankings. We see three teams move up. Parrish moves into number one after their win over Prestonwood. Nolan Catholic slides in at number two, and Central Catholic goes at number three. The only team that drops is Prestonwood from number one to number four. And, guys, I don't know if there's a lot to talk about here. I mean, it's pretty daggum simple what happened. Parrish beat Prestonwood. Prestonwood slides down. Nolan and Central slide up. So, I mean, a- any greater expansion from either of y'all on this? Um, only thing I was going to say is uh, Antonian did win their game against St. Pius, right? Is that is that how it was? But yeah. honestly, St. Pius doesn't really need to drop because they're not worse than Bishop Lynch. I think, like, we just – we kind of just put those rankings right where they are. Antonian's not better than Midland, and they're not – and St. Pius is not worse than Bishop Lynch. You, you'll see that that was a win right there and a loss right there, but that's just right where they need to be. They're right right where they are. Yeah, I mean, that that's there's not a lot of conversation needs to be had about D1. I mean, I don't think there's – you can have some debate about, like, one through four, but I, I think everything's pretty cut and dry there. Yeah. But now looking at Division Two, a little bit different movement here. Uh, Southwest moves up to number four after their defeat of Grapevine Faith, who slides down to number five. Fort Bend Christian slides all the way up to number six after their defeat of the Woodlands Christian, who moves down to nine. So yet again, just pretty linear movement. You beat someone, you move up, you lose, you move down. I mean, any is there anything else that needs to be stated here? I mean, not really. I, I think, like we kind of you kind of mentioned, Ryan, Fort Bend Christian being five or six, you could you could have the argument of them being five. But I, I think we just—it's a five and one team versus a three and three team, and rank, and you know records do count a little bit into that. And you know I'm gonna I'm gonna put Grayvon Faith there, and we we put Grayvon Faith there because you know just a better we think they're a better team and just had the better record. Um, I will say, won't say too much, but yes, Fort Worth Christian has caught our eye, especially like we could have slept like put them into that. 10th spot but i'm not like brook hills four and two fourth christians one and five they had a good win over legacy but legacy will be the back the bottom of that district i mean give me <laughs> let, let's see how the season progresses to see how fourth christian moves up but they are like they're right outside kind of one to watch let let me make this very clear when i'm going to say so i'm going to talk about this real quick uh Fort Bend Christian, we put them above the 5-1 team. We put them above Lutheran South. So they are there. They're in the mix. It doesn't matter about we, – we do take record into account, but we still, we still look at who they are as a team. However, 
when I say Fort Worth Christian beat the brakes off of Legacy, JP2 beat the brakes off of Legacy. And then JP2 just lost like insane amount to Nolan Catholic. So not that Nolan Catholic and JP2, not that Nolan Catholic and Legacy are on the same schedule or not that Fort Worth Christian and, and, and Nolan Catholic are the same team either. Just have to realize Legacy is Legacy and Fort Worth Christian will we'll have to see how they play against Southwest and Grapevine in order to truly evaluate them. Yeah, no, I'll say really quickly. I personally think after what I've seen right now, Fort Worth Christian is a better team than Brook Hill. I think you could very easily slide them into that 10th spot. It's just right now, I mean, they're one in five. And like you mentioned, their one win is against, I'm sorry, Brian, a really bad legacy team. I mean, you, there, there's not enough. Oh, trust me, I know you're aware. But the, the thing is, I can say that because my team's worse. But you just you, – they have to build their resume a little bit more for us to slide them in there. I'm saying right now, I think they'll be in there. And I think they'll probably be higher than 10 when the year ends, but we'll see. Uh, now we slide into our top 10 of D3 slash D4, which is just one of the hardest lists for us to compile is because there's so many good teams, so many teams that are right there with each other. So please give us some grace on this. We know none of you are probably going to agree with this exactly, but this is our thoughts. So Grace Prep remains at number one. We see Cypress Christian and Pantigo Christian move up. Lubbock Christian moves to number four. And then we see Covenant Christian move to number nine and Weatherford drop down to 10. Everything else stays the same. So <clears throat> yet again, I mean, all this seems to make sense in my eyes. What is this? Does anything stand out to y'all here in terms of movements in D3 and D4? I, I'm just sorry. I know we usually go Walker than me, but I'm going to say this real quick. Just because I was describing it to Walker before the podcast, and this is, this is how I want to describe it to y'all as well. In all reality, let's, we're going to talk about more AM Alabama. Sorry to everybody that you know is an Alabama fan here, but you have to think about it like this. Yes, there was a Covenant and Lubbock Christian, or what was the game? Covenant beat. Oh, Lubbock I see Christian, where this right? is going. Okay, right? Covenant beats Lubbock Christian, right? Well, just because AM beats Alabama doesn't mean Alabama drops the number 23 and AM jump, jumps up to number 22, right? That's just not how things work. Yeah. In, in all reality, Alabama hasn't lost in two years. So they're going to drop four or five spots. They dropped down to number five, I think, in the AP poll. And AM doesn't jump, jump to number four. They've lost to a couple teams already. That means they only get to jump up to 19, 18, 20, whatever they deserve, right? We should jump to number one, but that's yeah, my, that's my okay, opinion. Okay, whatever. I don't know why you're saying that. But, uh, in all reality, that's just not how things work. And and, and I think that needs to be stated. Weatherford did beat Covenant, right? Weatherford beat Covenant, and we still have Covenant above Weatherford. I, it just, you know. Well, it, adding on to that, because I want to yeah, see that. Just, it was an overtime win by one yeah. point. So Covenant had the better win, so they move up. But it's not like we put them four spots ahead of them. We put them one spot ahead. Oh, yes, yeah. Lake Country Christian did beat, did beat Weatherford. But in my eyes, I think Covenant is a better team than Lubbock, uh, LCCS. So I think Weatherford's win over Covenant is a better win than the loss to Lake Country. And the thing about – we were talking about it before. Lake Country ends the season with Covenant, Lubbock, uh, Trinity Christian Lubbock, and then Lubbock Christian to end the season. And that's a three – that's three hard wins to pull off. So if they do – yeah, for sure. They should jump in the top 10 and they are pretty much the one person out of our team. But I, I think we have it pretty much right. I think Lubbock going down to four was a good spot. I think everything else is pretty good. I mean, it's hard to also rank the, those D4 teams of Brian Brazos and Shiner St. Paul of like 
hey, where do you put everyone else? But I think we have it pretty good, honestly. And it only comes with actually finding where we think everyone truly deserves to be uh, with just more time and more games being played. Yeah, I mean, no, for sure. I mean, and to any fan or team upset with these rankings, you're going to have plenty more season to prove yourself and to move up. I mean, there's a lot of resume building left to be done. This is just kind of our preliminary thoughts on where everyone stays. So our last, our second to last list, actually, our top 10 and SBC uh, ESD obviously moves up to number one after their victory over Kincaid, who slides down to number two. Cistercian out of Irving goes up to number six. Bell Air of Houston falls to number seven. And guys, is there, does there need to be any discussion here? I mean, the, the big thing is ESD goes to one, Kincaid goes to two. I don't think there's a whole lot of commentary that needs yeah, to be had here no, on this. Not really. I, the only thing I was, was going to point out, Houston St. John's, Kincaid, it's, there, there's a gap. There's a gap in between. That's what I got to say. There's a gap. And it doesn't matter if Houston St. John's undefeated and Kincaid has two losses. There's still a gap. I don't. I, I'll, I, I'll detail I, that farther. I don't know if there's a big gap there. I think it's way too early to say that. I think that. I, I think it goes honestly. The first four, maybe five. No, first. Four. First of all, first of all, five, and then it drops. In my opinion, yeah, I think the no, f- first sure. five are good. No, I, um, shout out John Cooper. Right, <laughs> and I, 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 we had uh, Bel Air Episcopal at six last week, but they lost again, and we just. Uh, I, I like that Bel Air Episcopal team, but they're one in five. You can't have them so far up there. Um, anyways, I think St. John's can make some noise. I think that St. Mark's versus St. John's game this week will just pretty much tell how good those teams really are. And we'll talk about that more later in our games. But yeah, like I think ESD is pretty much the, the team to beat. And I think John Cooper, like we said earlier, is the team to beat in 3A. I think they're going to win it all this year. I don't think there's going to be much competition in 3A this year. No, I don't think so either. But that that's all we have for top 10 of SBC. And now really quickly, there is something new that we're doing. This will probably already be on Twitter by the time this episode is posted. But our top 10 overall D1 through D4, including SBC rankings. Um, at number one, there's Parish Episcopal. Number two, Nolan Catholic. Number three, Episcopal School of Dallas. Number four, Austin Regents, the first D2 team on the list. Number five, Central Catholic. Number six, Addison Trinity Christian. Number seven, Kincaid. Number eight, Houston Second Baptist. Number nine, Prestonwood Christian, falling all the way down there after that loss to Parish. And number 10, Dallas Christian. So, guys, like I've said over the past, like, three or four lists, uh, Walker, you first. Your, your thoughts on the newly constructed top 10 overall list? Yeah, I mean, I think it's honestly pretty good. I mean, I, I think Parrish winning state last year, they have a good team again this year. The only loss is the Austin LBJ, who made it far in the playoffs last year in UIL. Um, I think it's a good team. Nolan's right behind them. They're a pretty good team as well. ESD is 7-0 and and the top team in uh, SPC. And Austin Regents. Austin Regents look really good. They're on fire right now, and they're the best team in D2. Like, Central Catholic, I really like. We all like, and that's why they're five. I could see Addison Trinity Christian maybe jumping that, go to five, but, like, you never know. Kincaid is, I think, good placement. Second Baptist, I think we're, we really like. That's why they're eight. Preston Woods, nine. Dallas Christian, ten. I could see in that tenth spot you could have had St. John's in there from Houston, but I honestly think it's a pretty good list. What do you all think? 
Yeah, no, I mean, I think it looks good. The only thing I would change is Preston Wood at nine. I think you could put Preston Wood as high as like four. I mean, I think I think they get punished a little bit too much for a loss to the best team in the state. But I think, you know, like I said, as the weeks go on, they'll continue to win games, in my opinion, and they'll rise back up the list. It's just, I mean, them being nine now doesn't mean they're going to be the ninth best team in, in the state once it's all said and done. I think they'll, I think organically they'll rise back up. I don't think it's a huge deal, but Ryan, your thoughts. Yeah, I, I'm going to say this real quick. Definitely, I agree 100% what you said there for Preston Wood. Uh, we want to make it very clear as well, and we'll announce this when we put it on Twitter or Instagram as well. Um, this is without uh, Shrake Jesuit and Dallas Jesuit. We're not including those um, in our top 10 overall, uh, just because, you know, not 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 that we don't think that they're obviously probably better than a lot of these teams. It's just we just want to take them out of just the list. We think it's a little bit more authentic to have the – most of these just taps and SBC teams. Because they play a UIL schedule. All yes, these teams yes. play taps and SBC schedule. So it wouldn't make sense to rank them in there. Yes. That's the only reason. Uh, just want to make that very clear before you think that we didn't rank them at all in here. Uh, we're not We're not stupid. We know that they play UIL schedule. Um, and then, yeah, Presswood being that as well. And I really could see, you know, people coming in for that spot. But, yeah, this top 10 overall, I'm actually very proud of this. If anything, this was probably a little bit easier to make than the D3, D4, um, <laughs> ironically enough, which is, like, funny to think that the overall would be easier than D3, D4. But it's just how it is. I'm telling you, shout out to Walker for putting the backbone into that because that D3, D4 list is, is a bear to figure out. There's a lot of very slight margins that separate a lot of those teams. But that is our updated ranking system. Shout out to us for, for being the premier group that does that. I'll pat us on the back a little bit. But now we transition into our final segment, a uh, segment that we're actually going to have to go pretty fast since we've been recording for like an hour already. Our games of the week. And now that we have ranking systems, we see number two ranked Nolan Catholic face number six ranked All Saints. Nolan Catholic comes into the contest four and two. All Saints comes in at three and two. All Saints averages 31 points a game. They give up 30. Nolan averages 42 points per game and gives up 26. I'm not overcomplicating this one, guys. Uh, Nolan's the better team, in my opinion. They've been all in our mentions lately, upset that we ranked them. God forbid the number three team in the state. I apologize. But, I mean, I think the Nolan defense, specifically their defensive line with Cal commit Curly Thomas and four-star Caleb James, I think if All Saints fails to keep those guys in check, I don't see their offense gaining much traction. So I want Nolan Catholic here. I say put the focus on their defensive line and see how that matches up with All Saints in the trenches. Walker, I feel like this is a pretty clear-cut pick, but maybe it's not. Your thoughts on All Saints and uh, Nolan Catholic? No, I'm going to go with Nolan here, too. But I will say that battle of – what is it? It's the battle of Fort Worth. Like, it's the two best Fort Worth teams usually every year battling it out. And like I said last year, like, not just ba- like not just the best two private schools in Fort Worth, probably the two best schools in Fort Worth, like UIL or – or, or private. I mean, those two teams are really, really good. Um, and I know Nolan's kind of run like has won the past couple years over uh, fourth uh, All Saints, but that team is always it's always a good, really good matchup. Just because it is a rivalry, you might see him keep it a little bit close. But I think uh, forward Nolan will win this game. No, I I agree with you. Uh, Ryan, as it always seems to be, we are 2-0 and coming to you. So your thoughts on Nolan Catholic, Fort Worth All Saints? 
Yeah, no Catholic's going to destroy all Saints in this game, in my opinion. I think that's pretty clear. And if they don't, then uh, we'll be in your mentions, no Catholic. <laughs> I don't know why I found that so funny, but after all the back and forth, that really got me. Yeah, so here's the motivation. Nolan, y'all win here. We will be in all in y'all's mentions. Hey, I will say this, though. Before I get, you know, dusted for everything that happens here, rivalry games are different. And that's what I talked about with Fort Worth Christian when I was talking to them in the game uh, before the game for Legacy. Rivalry games are different. You know, we, we were so high on DC and Fort Worth Christian. I mean, you know, sometimes these, these battles and stuff like that, especially in the, the DFW area are pretty tough and guys go out, go out a lot more usually against their rivals than they do normal games. That's just the way it is in Taps private school. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to tell myself that before I go watch Grace play Brook Hill, but hopefully that same sentiment holds. It's a little teaser for a game I'll cover in a couple of weeks, but game number two, Number five ranked Houston St. Thomas at seventh ranked San Antonio Antonian Prep. St. Thomas's average is almost 40 points per game. They give up 22. Antonian scores 28 while allowing 20. This game is going to be pivotal between two teams fighting to stay in the district race. Even though they just lost to Central Catholic a couple weeks ago, I like St. Thomas in this one. You know, I've raved about quarterback Jake Wright and his receivers, Cam Price, Johan Cardenas, and Joe Rick Madden. I think this is a good chance. This is the most high-powered passing attack the Apaches have faced thus far, and I think it gives Houston St. Thomas a slight edge here. So give me Houston St. Thomas, put a focus on the St. Thomas passing attack. Walker, your thoughts against or on the number five and the number seven ranked team this game? You know what, Ryan, why don't you go first? We're going to switch it up a little bit. And I, oh, good Lord. Yeah, you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Honestly, I think it's pretty simple here. I think it's pretty simple to say that Houston St. Thomas is just honestly a better team uh, when it comes down to it. Uh, nothing against Antonian Prep. They obviously are, are at my heart for basketball powerhouse. Um, they are the powerhouse in basketball. But, you know, when it comes to football, I think it's pretty obvious to see that there is that drop off um, when it comes to the rankings in that area. I mean, you know, and I, I, it hates to, I hate to be that way, but it really is, you know, you kind of hit that Midland Christian level. And then after that, I kind of just go like Antonio preps just a little bit lower. So in my head, this is just my opinion. I think that Houston St. Thomas is just definitely going to probably beat Antonio by at least one or two touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think St. Thomas is definitely going to be. If, I think Vegas would have them favored by a touchdown or two. You know, if there was Whoa. if there was sports betting in high school football. This, so, sorry, oh, sorry, Mister Tepper, but Walker, your your thoughts on St. Thomas Antonian Prep? Oh, uh, you're perplexed. I see. I am perplexed. That is a great word. We look. The only team they have both faced this year is San Antonio Christian. Oh, Christian. They, you know what you know okay. i was different the past couple last week and i got two wins over both of y'all okay and, and you know what <coughs> this this is the game i'm gonna go different again i'll go antonio and prep i think they're a good team they're a good squad they face the rough out of district <laughs> schedule i think they're a good team um and yeah i give me this game i think you'll be close but give me Antonian prep. You know, that scares me, and it should scare both of us, Ryan, because last time this happened, uh, we were wrong, and Walker is right. So, but, you know, but, hopefully. But, but, but the weeks, two, three weeks before that, when I went bold, I also just, it was totally wrong. So, could happen again. You'll, we'll see. 
I mean, it's just a coin flip at this point. But two of us take St. Thomas, Walker takes Antonian Prep. will be a very interesting game that the whole podcast will, will be watching nervously. Next game, number nine ranked, the Woodlands Christian Academy take on Houston Second Baptist. Um, straight up, I think the Woodlands came out and got punched in the mouth last week against Fort Bend, and they realized just exactly what this district is going to be about. And now they're facing arguably the best team in that district. You know, Second Baptist hasn't suffered a loss since the opening 20 to 14 game to Kincaid, who seems to be doing, you know, pretty well on their own. It's not like St. I saw like Second Baptist got the doors blown off. They lost by six. So and none of those other games have been close for Second Baptist except a 23 to 19 win against UIL 4A Calhoun. I'm going to go bold here and say Everett Skiller and the gang open this one up and score a big win against the Woodlands. I'm talking like 21 points at least. I mean, I know that's bold, but I mean, I I just saw what Fort Bend came out and did to the Woodlands last week. And I think Second Baptist is even better than Fort Bend. So this is going to be, you know, I think this is a make or break game for the Woodlands. And I think Houston Second Baptist is going to come out big and probably break them. But we'll see. So that's my thoughts on uh, the Woodlands at Second Baptist. Walker, how do you think this game between the ninth-ranked team in the state and the second is going to turn out? I mean, I think it's just like you think. 19th in the state is playing the number two team in the state. I think the number two state team will win this. I think Second Baptist will win this. Um, I think they're a good team, man. Uh, Everett Skillern, Turner Murdoch. I really like that 24 quarterback over there at Second Baptist. I think he'll be very, very good. Mark my words. Um, and I think he'll get only better with time. And then, you know, if Eli Smith, Grayson Kim, all those dudes, they're good team, good talent. And I think it'll just be too much for TWCA here, but get uh, like in the future, re- ready for uh, TWCA to make some noise. But that might, I don't think that will be the case this year week. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we got to see if, if Josh Johnson and Warwick Hawkins come out and put up a fight against second Baptist Ryan, we are 2-0 and uh, moving into you. Your thoughts on the Woodlands at Second Baptist? I mean, it, it's kind of just like the, how y'all said it. Houston Second Baptist is just that team. You know, we already know that they're right there with Regents. Um, I, have no, I have no problem picking them against Woodlands as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a very hard decision to make. But speaking of hard decisions to make, our last two games are starting with number five, Lubbock Trinity Christian, at number four, Lubbock Christian. And, you know, this is just a huge game here against, like I mentioned, the number five, number four ranked teams in the state. It's a huge inner city game. And I think these are the hardest to predict. Like Ryan was mentioning before, as crazy things always seem to happen in rivalry games like this. Lubbock Trinity comes in averaging 28 and allowing 19. Lubbock Christian scores 42. They give up 14. You know, Lubbock Christian suffered a big 20-point loss to Covenant last week, a team that Lubbock Trinity beat 36 to 12. I'm not basing this pick solely off one game, but I do think that game is a good microcosm of these two teams as a whole at this point in time. For that reason, I'll be taking Lubbock Trinity Christian in the battle for West Texas. Give me the number five team in the state. Walker, I picked number five team up to the number four team. Your thoughts on this Lubbock inner city matchup? Yeah, I was going to do the same. I'm going to go Lubbock Trinity Christian here. I think they're a good team. They're a little bit underrated. And I think they made a lot of noise last last year in the playoffs. And I think they're going to do really, really good this year. Um, so, yeah, give me Lubbock Trinity Christian here. Uh, don't get it twisted. I think Lubbock Christian is a great team. And they, 
you know, they're six and one for a reason, but I think I'm going to give the win to Lubbock Trinity here in a good game, always a rivalry game up there in Lubbock. Yeah. Without a doubt, I think it'll be close as well. I don't think either team opens this game up by a wide margin, but Ryan, the two of us have picked an upset um, leading into your pick. Are you going to, are you going to jump on the train? No, you're muted. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm not there with y'all. I am with Lubbock Christian. And I want to make it very clear that, you know, a team that hasn't lost all year is going to take their first loss very, very hard. Especially the fact okay. that you have to realize <laughs> they had to travel all the way from Lubbock into Colleyville, which is, you know, DFW area, to play this game at Colleyville Covenant. Trinity Christian Lubbock did not have to do that. They got to play Colleyville in their home, you know, in their home stadium, which means they didn't have to do the same drive that Lubbock Christian did. I want to make it also very clear that, you know, this team has been blowing out every other team they played. Lubbock Christian has been really just showing people that they are one of the best teams in, in there. And I actually think it'd be so cool if one of us could trek all the way out to Lubbock. That's just so unrealistic, but you know, it would be, it would be really, really cool because I bet that just the atmosphere and all this is going to be so amazing in Lubbock. I would, I think I'm definitely going to probably turn on the live stream if there is one. I really want to just see, like, you know, what the atmosphere is like at a Lubbock rivalry game. Um, I, I bet it's going to be something fun. Um, and honestly, I, I really am excited to see how these two teams match up against each other. Definitely the hardest uh, um, game to pick this week, but I am going to go against the y'all. I'm going to pick Lubbock Christian. I mean, this huge inner city game, uh, two of us picking upset, Ryan goes chalk, will be interesting to see. I think it's going to be incredibly close and a game that we will all sweat out. Moving into our final game of the week, we see a huge SPC matchup in number four, Dallas St. Mark's at number three, Houston St. John's. And this is a game most likely for third in SPC 4A behind two elite teams in ESD Kincaid. Although I do think there is a chance for one of these teams, St. John's, to shake things up completely. But I'll save the detailing of that for another episode. Short and sweet, I'm not betting against St. John's after what they did to us after the Fort Bend incident. Um, They didn't forget that I called them a quote-unquote middle-of-the-road team in SBC, and they have railed off six wins since then. I think they are 100% out to prove they're for real this year, and beating St. Mark's would really start to solidify that statement. Uh, Walker, this is a huge game in SBC 4A for not only district rankings, but for pride as well. Your thoughts, you're smirking. I think you're going to go against me. Dallas, St. Mark's, at St. John's. Um, You know, it is, it's a number five, number, or number four, number three game. It's another good one. And you know what? I'm not going to go against you. No. I'm actually going to do a mortal lock on this game and I'm going to go Houston St. John's on this mortal lock. And I I think that I believe when I did my mortal lock, my mortal lock last time was the Fort Bend over Houston St. John's. And yeah, I'm not failing them again. I believe in this team. I believe they're going to win this game. And yeah, I think Houston St. John's is now a good team. I've now learned about it. Don't I'm I'm not getting it twisted anytime soon. So give me my mortal lock of the week to be Houston St. John's over Dallas St. Marks. I mean, St. John's has made believers out of all of us after that just, just horrible incident a couple of weeks ago. Ryan, we are two and zero on this game as we transition to your pick. Your thoughts on number four ranked Dallas St. Marks at number three ranked Houston St. John's. 
You know, honestly, I think Houston St. John's has got something to prove here. And, and it may not be the fact that they're undefeated because obviously that proves something in itself. But I think they want to prove that they are that second spot, although they may not be telling us that they're looking at our rankings or all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I think I think so, somewhere someone is there thinking like we want to be number two. And I, I think, you know, if, if, if that's enough for them to win, then that's enough for them to win. Also, the fact I, I, I'm, I'm saying it, y'all like big bus treks down to some of these places is a lot more than you think it is going on a three, four hour drive from Dallas St. Mark's down to Houston, St. John's will not be easy. Like it's that kind of stuff hits you. Like I, I, I want to make that very clear to, to anyone that's basically probably not from Texas or, you know, didn't play football or didn't play any sports in Texas. When you have to travel from one place to another for an away game, it really hits you hard. And um, I think Dallas St. Mark's is going to get hard, hit hard by that and also get hit hard by the Houston St. John's players. So I got Houston St. John's in this one, maybe by about like a touchdown or two. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that wraps up a really, really good five slate of games. I think this is some of the best games that we've covered so far. I'm very, very excited to see how all of those turn out. But, I mean, ending rather abruptly, unless any of y'all have anything else to say, I mean, that's been the episode for the week. I mean, we will have the new rankings up by the time – or the the top ten ranking up by the time this episode comes out. Go on. Oh, where are you going this week? You see you're going to go somewhere? I'll actually be at Central Catholic at St. Pius. Um, It's a school I love going down to in St. Pius. It's where I've received probably the most love out of anywhere I've been. I'm very, very excited to see not only St. Pius, but also Central Catholic. I We've obviously talked about them a lot. I'm excited to see, you know, Silas Gomez, Ben Rios, all of them. I think they're very talented. I think that'll be an interesting game down in Houston. So St. Pius, I'll see you all Friday. But, I mean, barring any further comment, um, I've been Wes Tallis and 130-year hosting crew. Walker Lott and Ryan Schroeder have excellently, as always, been themselves. We will see you in the next episode. See you later.